I invite your attention this morning to 1 Timothy chapter 4. Two weeks ago, there was a, a minister ordination at Faith Fellowship. Austin Martin was ordained. And I had the message, and I used this portion of scripture for my text there. Liz Landis was there, and so my apologies to you, Liz. You're going to hear some of what you heard two weeks ago. Uh, I just was so blessed as I studied this scripture and just felt like it would be very appropriate to share a message uh, here at Myerstown from this portion of scripture. And the verse I want to focus on, what I'm using for a title this morning, is 1 Timothy chapter 4. In the middle of that verse is a phrase, and the phrase is this, be thou an example of the believers. And I recognize this is one of the pastoral epistles, and, but I, I believe it also applies to each one of us as believers to be an example. As humans, much of what we learn is by observation and imitation. You take a, a young baby and its parents just naturally try to get the baby to smile. The baby's not very old and you're like, you're, so you're, how do you get a baby to smile? Well, you smile at the baby and you're like, Ooh, you can smile. And finally the baby smiles. You look, he or she smiled. It's wonderful. And they are imitating you. The example that you're, that you're setting for them. And the other area I think of as far as, as imitation is, uh, it's, isn't it a marvel how, how parents that speak English, right, they have children and the children speak English also. It's, they don't speak Spanish or, or anything, they speak English. And if you have parents that speak Pennsylvania Dutch and English, you'll probably speak Pennsylvania Dutch and English if they do it enough. Uh, Marion and I had friends uh, that live in Nicaragua, Elvino Miller, and they, were, uh, they grew up Amish in Indiana and moved down there as missionaries. And so they speak Pennsylvania Dutch, Spanish, and English. And they spoke all three languages to their young children as they were growing up. And the children, uh, when I learned to know the children, they were in their teens, and so they were fluent in all three languages. But the parents said that, in their uh, adolescence, they had all three languages all confused and mixed up, and they would come out all different ways, and it was very, could be confusing if you didn't understand one of them. But when they reached their adolescence, it suddenly just all straightened out, and they were fluent in all three languages that their parents uh, gave, imitated to them, and, and they, they picked it up. And by imitation of their parents, they... They became fluent in all three languages. So children, uh, just simply by our human nature, we observe and we attempt to, to imitate and to do. Uh, a year or so ago, I was, we were working in the shop, and Tristan was helping me, and little Boaz, just a few years old, he's, he's one of those guys that cannot, he has to have a tool in his hand and and. If, if we're working, he's working. You know, if, if Tristan's under his truck, Boaz is under the truck, and he has to have a wrench or something to, you've got to have a tool. And so we're working there in the shop and doing some carpentry work, and, and he, he's walking around with a tape measure, and he's crawling up the ladder, and, and he's measuring the post. And I, well, what, what is it, Boaz? And he's 
inch and a half. And I'd ask him 10 minutes later, what, what do you got now? Inch and a half. Every time it was an inch and a half. But he was imitating us. Where did he learn? Where did he learn all this? So it was just a matter of, of, of imitation. And so it, it's important that uh, when it comes to spiritual matters, it's very important that you and I are good examples for others to imitate. And our text this morning is, is uh, asking us to be good examples to the believers. Now, when you study Scripture, uh, there's various places in the Scripture. In 1 Peter 2.21... Peter says, for even hereunto were ye called, because Christ has also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow in his steps. In John 13, uh, in the account there of feet washing, Jesus himself says, I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. And as you read through the Gospels, there's uh, various times, nearly 20 times, I believe, in the Gospels where Jesus says, Follow me, and really what Jesus said, imitate me, uh, use me as an example. And then maybe the classic one in scripture from the Apostle Paul is 1 Corinthians 11, the first verse, where Paul says, be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. And so Paul very, very readily saying, follow me the same way I'm following Christ, and so the challenge for myself and each one of us this morning is, are we that type of an example that we can comfortably say to others, follow me as I'm following Christ, and are we, good, are we that good of an imitator of Christ that people can safely follow us? Be thou an example of the believers. Now I'd like to think a little bit and give a give an illustration of the value of an example. All of us probably have at times purchased something and, you know, you, you go to... Nate and I did it just a few weeks ago. We went back to Weaver D to buy a bicycle rack for Nate's van. Nate wanted a bicycle rack and they have them on display there. And it's like, oh, this is nice. You look at it. This is great. This is a nice-looking bicycle rack. And Nate said, I want this one. Well, guess what? They come out with a box. And Nate bought a box. And we took it home. And I helped Nate dump it out there in the, beside the driveway. And it's in pieces. It didn't look like the one looked back at Weaver D. And there's this little piece of paper. It tells you how to put it together and a bag of nuts and bolts and I said to Nate, I gotta go, I'm, I'm leaving now. <laughs> and if you read, if you read on there someplace, it, it probably said, some assembly required. Okay? Some assembly required. I purchased something a few months ago myself and it said uh, that I would have to assemble it myself and it said this is gonna take approximately 20 minutes. Took me two hours. But if I would have assembled another one, I believe I could have done it in 20 minutes. See, the problem is you don't have an example there to look at. If you would have one there right like you're putting together, it would be so easy. Oh, this is how it is. Okay, this is how it goes. And so it, it, it just makes it 
makes it so, so easy if you have an example. The value of an example to, to look at. I, I uh, put a new paint booth in my shop a few years ago and learned a, a lot of lessons as I did that. The, first of all, you, I had to install this, the, the booth, put it together, it was all nut, a lot of nuts and bolts, thousands of nuts and bolts, and then there's a, an air makeup unit that goes outside, which was come pre-assembled, but it had to be set up and what have you, and duct work put in. And Tristan helped me uh, over the winter install this thing, and it, it took a lot of assembly to put it together. And we, after, so there were some things we had to redo and figure out and what have you, and, but we got it together. And then it came time to do the wiring. Now, because I don't have three-phase current, we had to use uh, VFD controllers because we only have single phase, and so that made it, that complicated it a lot further with the, with the wiring. And then Tristan did to me what I did to Nate. He said, I have to go. I have work now back in Shenandoah, and you're on your own. And so I had these three or four big pieces of paper diagrams and what have you to wire this thing. And, and I, well, I should be able to do this. And I started looking at it. And this shouldn't be too difficult. Run, run wires here and run wires there. And I started doing some wiring. And after a while, you know, you get a few lights to come on and what have you. And like, yeah, this is looking OK. But uh, I had, I had a, if I'm honest, I had some doubts as to whether this thing uh, the air makeup units made in Wisconsin and the paint booth and the control panel was made in Texas and I was like this thing's gonna really this is gonna really all work when it comes together and after a while uh, I said okay they told me there's a man in Wisconsin the engineer I can talk to him anytime I can call him or email him I thought it'd be safer to email him maybe so I emailed I emailed him a few questions my first question was something like well now this happens but you know, I, it doesn't start, it doesn't, the lights come on, but it won't start. And, and he responded with, with something like, well, maybe you ought to check this or check that. And then I, I asked him the second or third question, and again, he responded, well, you know, maybe you could check this or that. And in my third or fourth question that I, that I emailed him, his response uh, just really smote me. And th this is what his, this is how he responded. He, he didn't answer my question. He just responded like this. He said, when all the wires are in the right place, everything will work. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And do, do you know, I, I thought about that a lot. And, and what was in that phrase was, was a lot of confidence. He said, he didn't, I was thinking, you know, this, they may have, they probably have some things wrong here. This isn't going to, you know, there might be some issues or problems or what have you. But no, he said, when, when they're all in the right place, it will work. And so I took the prints and the diagrams and what have you. I don't know what you call them. And I, I thought about, well, who do I call? Nate, Steve Musser, uh, Dennis Musser, Austin Electric, somebody that really understands wiring or or what do I do here? So I took the prints into the house one evening and I just started studying them and reading them and uh, just taking my time and far away from the wires that you're tempted to start putting together. And, and, and then I started noticing things. Oh, I didn't notice this little footnote. 
this little footnote means if it has this little symbol on it, it means this wire goes to two places. It goes to the control panel and to the air. Oh, okay, I see. And oh, over here is this. Oh, I didn't notice that. Now I'm seeing, okay, after I went through it, I read it the second, maybe the third time. I just went, just studied it and studied it and studied it. Okay, now, the, and, and this wire has to be a certain kind of a wire. And I didn't have any of that. I had to get some of that because of electrical, uh, uh, what have you, uh, interference. And so I went and got some special wiring up in Lebanon. And, and then I started over and within a matter of a few days had all the wires where they were supposed to be. And the, the way I knew that was when I pressed the button, everything worked. Everything was like, everything, wow. It worked the way it was supposed to work. And it was, uh, it, it was amazing to, to see it, it ha coming together. But in, in that whole process, there were different times that I, I wished that there would be, that my neighbor would have a system right like it that I could go look at. That I could just open the control panel and say, oh, this is where, this is how this works. But I, I didn't have that, so I was just going by, by wiring diagrams. So it is, an example is very, very important. It's very valuable and very helpful to have an example to look at. So in, in 1 Timothy, in our text, Timothy says, or Paul says to Timothy, be thou an example of the believers. Now, notice in, in our text this morning that it says to the believers. Let that, let that sink in. I, I meditated on that a long time. Be thou an example to the believers. So... That implies that we as believers stand in need of examples. That implies that we don't have it all together. Maybe, just maybe, some of our wires aren't going to the right place. Maybe there's things that, maybe it could be wired a little better. And it's important that we as believers have examples, and it's important that we as believers are good examples. To others, when uh, when you think about the world and you think about uh, the the unredeemed people that are people that are not Christians that do not have a relationship with Jesus, they look they look at believers and and uh, and they marvel. They travel from all over the world to come into our area to to look at Mennonites and Amish and try to try to figure them out. And we certainly need to be an example to them, but we also need to be an example to other believers. Now, in the, in the translation process of this portion of Scripture, there's something that uh, is, is lost, some Bible scholars believe. And if you study the Greek very closely, it, it could be translated like this. Keep on becoming an example. And so I like that. It, it implies that we are examples, but it's important that we keep on becoming better examples. Paul's saying to Timothy, keep on becoming an example of the believers. Another word that I want to highlight in, in our text is the word be. 
we are, we're not doing, we are being. And there's such a difference. Jesus said, ye must be born again. When uh, you must be born again, it, it's an act, it, it's who we are. It's something that has, has happened to us. And so we need to be an example to the believers. And it, it happens as we live out our Christianity, our relationship with Jesus. It's who we are. In the political climate today, we read a lot about people not being authentic. They say, ah, oh, they're putting on a front. They're out in the campaign trail, and it's all a front. It's not really who they are. Who we, when, when, uh, when the scripture says we are to be thou an example, we are authentic. This is who we are. This is really who we are. There's no front uh, involved. I would like to read this chapter and then make some, make some comments uh, about it. 1 Timothy chapter 4. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. But refuse profane and old wives' fables, and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things. Having promise of the life that now is, and of that which is to come, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation, for therefore we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, and especially of those that believe. These things command and teach. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things and give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. One of the things that stands out to me in this portion of scripture is the word doctrine. Paul points out, uh, points, uh, uses this word three different times. He says, be nourished up in good doctrine. He says, give attention to doctrine. And he also says later in the chapter, take heed to the doctrine. Doctrine is, is what is set forth by God. This morning in, in Sunday school, we were, just, we were studying doctrine. We were studying what God has set forth for mankind to believe and to accept. The Bible is full of doctrine for you and I to believe it and to accept it. The, I have a book, 
and it's, it's a book that I cherish. It's by Kaufman, and it's called The Doctrines of the Bible. And it just simply uh, lists all the different doctrines of the Bible and gives some very rich teaching on them. It's broken into sections. He has the doctrine of God, the doctrine of man, the doctrines of God and man, or God's provisions for the welfare of man. And then there's all kinds of chapters and, and under each one of these headings, uh, the doctrine of the realms of darkness, God's plan of salvation, the doctrines of the church, the doctrines of Christian life, the doctrines of the future. And I didn't count them, but there's just lot, it's just, just packed full of, of biblical doctrines. And these, these, are what, uh, these are what Paul is instructing Timothy and you and I to be very careful of the doctrines. And we are to be nourished in the doctrines. We are to give attention to the doctrines. And we are to take heed to the doctrines of the scripture. Now, I want to I go back to my illustration of, of the paint booth and all the wires. When all the wires are the right place, it will work. I, I contend and I believe that when, all the, when, when a Christian has all the doctrines lined up correctly, believes them all, and is practicing them, them all, Christianity works. It always did, and it always will. You pull one of those wires, and, uh, and you disconnect it, and there's going to be problems. Somewhere along the line, something is not going to function properly. And so it's, it's, that's how important biblical doctrines are. And I can assure you that somebody that is not living in Christian victory... A believer that is not living in victory and is struggling and having issues and problems in their spiritual life, somewhere there's a wire or a doctrine that is not believed or is not being followed and is something is not connected properly because Christianity works. And it's just very important that we believe and, you know, like the, 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 the engineer that engineered my paint booth said, when everything's in the right place, it will work. God says, when, when the doctrines are, when, when you believe them all and you practice them all, it'll work. And it does. And there's many, many believers that are a living testimony of that and that's who Paul wants you and I to be he wants us to be examples to the believers and I could give so many illustrations uh, and we don't we don't have time for that but but just think about uh, just think about and I've heard testimonies over the years and I could give some from my own personal life but sometimes in, in life if you're you you observe Maybe somebody else's forgiving spirit. And you know that somebody's just been hurt terribly. And you know that, that they, they just forgave very quickly. 
or maybe they experience great sorrow in life and they and they're not and they're not bitter towards God and they're they're just accepting of God's will in their life and I've observed so many things like that happening and I and I observe it and I say only by the grace of God is this possible because in our fallen nature it's not possible but it's only by the grace of God and it's because a person believes the doctrines and is living them and we see this, this beautiful act of forgiveness. We see these, these many things happening that, that us Christians are, are able to do. And it's really neat to see that. And it's an example for us. And it's like we, you and I observe that and we say, wow, if it works for this brother and sister, it'll work for me too. And so it's an example to the unbelievers, but it's also a great example to believers. Uh, and I, I just, as I was studying and, and thinking about this, I kept thinking about a, a friend of mine or friends of ours who uh, the, the wife was a Christian and the husband was not for many years. And, and it was through through her ability to forgive her father who had abused her as a child, he observed that and he said, you know, God, there must be a God. God must be real for her to be able to forgive her father after she was abused so terribly as a child. And he came to know the Lord as his, as his personal Lord and Savior. And, 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 and so there's a case of an unbeliever seeing the example and the power in a believer's life. But... Paul reminding Timothy and reminding us that we also need to be that example because other believers need it. We don't all have it together. And there's times in our lives when we struggle and we need to be able to look at another believer and say, there's a good example. It works for them. It'll work for me. And, and be encouraged by that and, and put it to practice in our own lives. Now, uh, one of the things, I don't want you to take me wrong this morning, uh, I talk, talking about the doctrine a lot, Christianity is a relationship with, the, with Jesus Christ, it is a personal relationship that we have with him, but the doctrine is very important, and uh, it's, Paul points it out in this portion of scripture, and it's very important that we heed it, and we believe it, and we follow it because I believe it's key to living a successful Christian life. You could think about, uh, think about purity, think about humility. Uh, am I doctrinally sound? Am I safe to imitate? And that is, is what's really important. Am I a good example? Now, some other things... Uh, I think are, are very noteworthy in this chapter and I would like to point out and we're not going to go back and, and reread the first nine verses but in the first nine verses Paul talks about living in the last days and he talks about uh, all the strange things that are going on will go on and we truly are, are living in the last days and today we live in an era when, when people, so many people are worshiping and serving the creation rather than the creator. 
And it's, it's obvious, it, it's all around us. There are, as there were back in Bible times, there are a lot of old wives' fables. I don't know why they call them old wives' fables. Marion, do you know? I don't know why it's not young wives' fables. I'm not sure, but they're out there. There's a lot of things, there are a lot of things that are, uh, for lack of better words, there's a lot of quackery out there. There's a lot of, and things come and go. I've seen so many things over the years, you know, like, oh, this is the answer to every, you, you, you take this pill, or you do this, or you, this is it. This is it. You pray this prayer. There's so many things that just come and go, come and go. And Paul is warning us. He's saying, don't fall for the trap. It's, uh, worry, be concerned about the doctrines of Scripture don't fall for all these traps that are out there. And he talks, I believe, in this portion of Scripture about, about the foods you eat and, and all this type of thing. And he says everything's given to us to, to be used and appreciate it and what have you uh, as we receive it with thanksgiving from God. And just be careful of all, the, uh, of all the things that are out there that are not legitimate. And they are old wives' fables. They are something that somebody dreamt up and usually to make money, generally speaking, to, for somebody to make money. So just be careful. Don't get caught up in them. And because if you do, guess what? You're not a good example for other people who are, who are observing your life. And so very, very important that we don't get caught up in that type of thing. And then he, in verse 12, he, he lists a bunch of things here that I believe are also uh, very important. He says in verse 12, Be thou an example of the believers, and he says, In word, or in our thoughts and our reasoning, we are not to be hurtful or brash. I think we should be very careful of slang, and we should be a student of words and pronunciation and, and word usage and that type of thing. The Apostle Paul says we are to be an example in the area of our words and the words that we use and the way we use them. He also says in conversation, and that simply means in our behavior or our manner of life, we should be real, we should be open, we should admit our shortcomings and mistakes, we should apologize, seek for forgiveness when needed. And so our manner of life should be a manner of life that other believers can look at and observe and say, you know what, that's right, that works. And, and, uh, and be, be blessed by it and, and be, know that, in, that by imitating us, uh, they will be, be safe in that imitation. And he also says in this verse, he says, in charity, and the word charity is the, is the Greek word agape, loving, expecting nothing in return. We should be an example in that. Loving others and expecting zero in return. That is, a, that is an example that Christ set for us, and it's an example that is worthy of you and I uh, being very diligent in, and our old fallen nature 
would, would love and pr would try to prevent us from, from doing that. But it's very, very important that if people are going to see Christ Jesus in us, it's important that we are loving others unconditionally, expecting zero in return. Paul says to Timothy, and he says to you and I, be an example in this. And how important that is to be an example in uh, showing agape love. And then he says, and in spirit. We're in verse 12, the end of verse 12. Be an example in spirit. And what, this, what it means in Greek is, it means in our mental disposition. Be an example in spirit, in our mental disposition, or in our zeal, our vision, our excitement, our positive attitude. Who was it years ago, Winter Bible School? Probably a lot of us remember it. My memory says Clayton Shank had Winter Bible School here at Marystown, and he, he came up here and he Instead of using the steps, he just jumped up on the pulpit. Was that Clayton? Yeah, that's who it was. He just jumped up on the pulpit. Zeal. Excitement. And, and so it, his very actions, it was like, this guy's excited to be here. If he's excited to be here, I'm excited to be here too. I wonder what he's going to say. And so I, that's what we need. As believers, we need that. What a difference. Uh, if somebody comes up front and stands there and starts out real slow and very dry and very, you just all want to go to sleep. So in spirit, Paul says, be an example in it. Our Sunday school superintendents are an example in that to us. When we come to our, our worship leader, our song leader, be an example in that. It's contagious. It does something to the whole congregation. And it, it's... Uh, it's exciting to be a Christian. And so let's, uh, let's display that and let's be an example in it. Let's have some zeal and some vision. Let's have a, a positive attitude. And then Paul says this in verse 12. He says, and also in faith. And it simply means a simple persuasion of trust in God. Be an example of it. A simple persuasion of a trust in God. There are all of, all of us at times struggle with trusting God. Just, were you ever, are you, I'm sure you were all there at a time. Maybe you're there this morning. You're just struggling to trust God. And Paul says to Timothy and to us, he says, be an example of a simple trust in God. What a blessing when a brother and a sister or sister can put their arm around us and say, and they know we're going through a difficult time, and they say, you know, God has this. You can trust him. God is trustworthy. He never left me down. He'll never let you down. He has this thing. He has it to the end of life, and he has it into eternity. He got it. He has it covered. You can trust God. And so I want to be an example of that 
And I also want to be surrounded with hundreds of people that are examples of it and are trusting God. And, and they're very, it just oozes out of their life. And I see that example in them because it gives me great confidence in, in my own walk with the Lord and, and in my ability to trust God. And then lastly in this verse, he says, and also in, in purity, be an example in purity or in moral cleanliness. Be an example. And in the day and age in which we live, and it's been this way down through history, it's just that it's, it becomes, there's so many, uh, the temptations are so much greater and things ha have changed so much over the years with technology and all of that. But it, it still is, is a heart condition, moral purity. And, and Paul, way back here, is calling Timothy and calling us to a standard of moral purity. And if we're going to be uh, a good example to our fellow believers, this is an area that is very, very important. And he's, and he's reminding us in moral purity that we are... Uh, above reproach, and that others can look at us and safely imitate us, safely imitate us when they, when they observe the moral cleanliness that we, that we have in our lives. And just a few more things here yet. Verse 13, uh, till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. And verse 14 Neglect not the gift that is in thee. And then he talks, in the case of Timothy here, he talks about the laying on of hands. And, but I believe this applies to all of us. Uh, neglect not the gift that is in you. I'm so blessed when I come to church and I see people exercising their spiritual gifts. Is that a blessing? When the song leader comes up and exercises his spiritual gift, our Sunday school superintendent, our Sunday school teachers, exercising their spiritual gifts, Paul says, don't neglect it. And so this applies to every one of us. Be an example in your homes, in your, when you come to church, in exercising the spiritual gifts which God has given to you. You have an opportunity to use your spiritual gift. Use it, not grudgingly, but, but use it to the honor and the glory of God. Like Brother Ted Steinruck. I love to call Ted and ask him if he will, if he will preach a message or do something because uh, his general response is, I would love to. That's exercising your spiritual gift. Uh, most of us say, well, let me pray about that. I'll get back to you in a week or two. Ted says, I'd love to. Exercise your spiritual gift. And then in verse 15, he says, Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them that thy profiting may appear to all. And I simply, uh, that verse when I read it, a total surrender is a noticed example to everybody that is observing us. To all believers, they, have, they see if we are totally surrendered to the will of God, totally surrendered to God's will for my life. And then verse 16, lastly, this is a, a great verse. This is what it says. After, after he gives, gives us all this instruction and tells us and encourages us to be an example of other believers, 
he says this. He says, take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them. Now notice the end of this verse. For in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. In other words, it's going to be a win for you. And it's going to be a win for others who are following your example. It's a win-win for everybody. There's nothing to lose if you, if Paul's saying to Timothy and he's saying to you and I, you follow these instructions and there is absolutely nothing to lose for you or anyone else. In fact, it's a win. You're going to win and they're going to win. What a blessing. What a blessing to be, to live a life like that, that is... It's a, it's a win-win. And so my encouragement to myself this morning, to each one of us, let's be an example to this lost and fallen world that we live in. But let's, let's also remember that we need to be an example to the believers. We, you and I personally need good examples, and other believers deserve good examples too. And the best way to do that is to make sure we have all the wires going to the right place and that everything is functioning the way it is supposed to function, the way God designed it to function. And when that's happening, others observe us and only eternity will reveal the impact that my good example and your good example had on other believers' lives and how it helped them in their journey towards and into heaven. So let's, let's be uh, the examples that, that God is calling us to be. Let's stand together for a closing prayer and then a verse of song. Lord, I thank you for your many blessings. I thank you for the scriptures. Thank you, Lord, that you came into this fallen world and gave your life so that we could have spiritual life. Thank you for the perfect example that you set for us. And I thank you for the written word of God that you left for us and the Holy Spirit that you sent to indwell us when we are born again. And Lord, this morning as we thought about being examples, I just ask that you would uh, just in each one of our hearts and minds impress upon us the value of a good example and that we would be committed so committed to our relationship with you and of being a good example for others and help us lord to to live a life that is truly worthy of others imitating so thank you for each one of my brothers and sisters and ask that you would continue to guide us and direct us as we journey homeward and i also Pray that as we leave this place of worship today, that your protecting hand would rest upon us and that you would bless us, guide us, direct us, and help us to be a blessing to others. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.